segment here for the week of what week are we working with this year this time we're well, somewhere in the middle of january and, one, and we're finally 12. we're finally doing that doom patrol book right oh yeah doom patrol number four and then the first no sorry <laughs> folks sorry it was supposed to come out actually i last month What's funny is I saw the solicit and on the comicsology solicit they were still soliciting number five for this week Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. We know, and no. we know that they didn't even put out number four yet. That's supposed to come out at the end of the month, so that left a space right yes. here in the middle of January with no young animal books. And uh, you know, we've done the last couple of times. There's been a little. Uh, there's been a uh, valley of uh, young animal mm-hmm. releases where there's nothing coming out. As we like to talk about a year in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, Chris picked the year, and he picked 1995. Yes, uh, because he yeah. loves grunge music. <laughs> I, I am a I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. At least I was. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't even know if they're still around. I know they got a station on Sirius XM, but I don't I don't know about their new stuff. I think I um, saw that. Uh, at least Vetter Eddie Vetter hmm. was going to do a show and play some songs in Seattle, but I don't know if that whether, whether that's an event or whether would they call that Thursday. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I <have> right. no <laughs> and I and I know uh, poor Scott Weiland died last year. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, sad. so that's, uh, I heard that on the uh, on the internet action news that uh, as Stone Temple Pilots was probably my favorite band while I was in high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 1995. It's a uh, it's a year of ups and downs, and it also it it kind of ties in with uh, what we're doing on treadmill this week. It does, yeah. Uh, it's actually is it the same year? I think it's the same year, right? Or just uh, I think what we did was ninety six. Ninety six is uh, yeah. Just so to, don't shock everyone, we're doing a uh, uh, spectacular Spider-Man two twenty six, right? That's what yes. it was. Yeah, uh, we're discussing the Clone Saga at length. But that's that was. Not that's not what this is. This is no. 19, <laughs> 1995, the middle of the 90s. Uh, it was a good time. A lot of day glow, as I recall, still still happening. It's sort of the some hypercolor, I'd, yeah. I'd say there was it was sort of hypercolor turning into flannel around this time was sort of the uh, change. Just just for some context, I personally was in college at the time, and as I was telling Chris, it was for me sort of a cultural vacuum while I was in college. We, <laughs> I really didn't know what was going on in the rest of the world for four years, but. Uh, Chris was heavily. This is big comics buying time. This is still yeah. uh, you're, you're ramping up here. Yeah, and I still have my flannel around my waist right now. So that's uh. <laughs> flying fly the flag. You know, someone's got to keep hope alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a little context uh, for what was happening outside of comics in 1995. In that year, uh, the U.S. government stopped funding the internet with public money, and it was totally privatized. And that brought out America Online and Prodigy. They had access to the World Wide Web through their proprietary browsers. You might remember this if you were around at the time. There were America Online CD-ROMs were 
probably the most ubiquitous thing. I think they yes. I think they devalued CD-ROMs so they were worth less than a penny. There were so many of them. It's <laughs> a hundred for a penny. Yes. What's funny is I, I you know I go, I go through a uh, you know I go through an old box. I'll still turn one up. I'm like oh my god. What the, oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> Absolutely. I've got boxes with them in them in, in the garage right now. I think when the when the human race dies and you know future <laughs> future people excavate they'll be like they really love this America Online. Every, everyone and had we have ten thousands of, of free hours here. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, also the same year of course microsoft released windows 95 hmm. and, yeah, and then, uh, uh, oh in in april uh we have 168 people killed and 680 wounded at the alfred p murrow federal building due to the oklahoma city bombing yeah that was hard a, to believe that was so long ago i it's, it's amazing as i don't think i again in my mind i'm like that was 10 years ago but we talk about this yeah. all the time you <laughs> You reach our age, it's everything feels like it was ten years ago. Yeah, that was over twenty years ago now, so Yeesh. Um Christopher Reeve fell from a horse and was paralyzed from the neck down that year, which was pretty sad. As I recall, it happened at the end of the summer. Um and he did pass away not too long ago, a couple of years ago. And uh, of course the O. J. Simpson murder case wrapped up and he was found. Not guilty? Was that right, Chris? Do you remember? I don't recall. Justice was served, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that was crazy. What, give me a quick, do you have any O.J. Simpson memories? Do you have any memories of the of the trial? I know the day that they that he was in the Ford Bronco driving, I was in a, a friend of mine's pool, and we were in there for about 10 hours, and I had the worst sunburn of my life afterwards. Wow. So I always uh, equate or conflate. OJ with a really bad sunburn. You blame, you blame him, you know. That's why when you do the Hertz commercials, you're like, damn right, it hurts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I myself, I was I was 17, but I was uh, in a local bar underage. Uh, mm. Called the Velvet Cup. It's actually funny. It was a bar that had been a uh, topless bar, but mm-hmm. by the time I was there, it was no longer. Anyway, we were in there, and the Knicks playoffs were happening, but mm. it was preempted by that Bronco chase. Yep. And, and my friend Andre was so mad that we couldn't see the Knicks, you know, it was like, he wants to see the Knicks. I'm like, we're looking at, you know, this is, this is a big deal happening here. Yeah, you know that, right? Like, going down. This is something going down. This might end with OJ Simpson blowing his own head off or something. <laughs> uh, didn't happen that way, but anyway. No. Um, uh, and they did, uh, they did actually interrupt classes. I was in high school. Really? And uh, yeah, they interrupt for, for the verdict. The, they actually, you know, they like we had. I don't remember if it was an assembly or if it was like during lunch, but yeah, it came over the loudspeaker that uh, that he was found not guilty. Wow, that's and, so incredible. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you could tell that there was a little bit of a divide there because some people were happy and some people were not. Even though we were just some know-nothing kids who really didn't I, have any kind of a reason to be upset. I mean, again, you know, like I say, because I was in college and there was sort of this like vacuum. I remember he, knowing about the verdict, but no one was really talking about it at school. Like mm. no one was keeping up on it. But somehow I do remember. I must have seen it later. I do remember the if it doesn't fit, you not acquit. You must acquit. Yeah. But I mean, I, I could have seen it. I mean, they ran. They ran aspects of that. Parodies of that. And, oh God, yeah. million. So many times. There's so many rundowns and breakdowns. So I could have seen it anywhere. But uh, yeah, that was that was a big that was a big deal. You know, it's funny. You were you were told about the O.J. Simpson verdict when you were in high school. I can remember uh, when the Challenger shuttle blew up. That was the only time I can. I remember was in first school. grade, and we watched that. Oh my God, you actually watched that? That's so we weird, watched it. Man. Yeah, it was I, in first I a, grade. PS thirty six. I uh, 
I have a memory of watching it, but what's funny is I know for a fact we didn't watch it. But I have it's <laughs> it became conflated in my mind over the years. Anyway, it's one of those things that it's one of those events in the world that that definitely you, you could think you were there and you weren't, or you could forget you were there and you were. Yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, I it, there were classes that watched it anyway. That's that's for another episode when we talk about 1986. Yes, we're still in 1995, and uh, just to give you some sports rundown, because I know a lot of you guys are huge sports fans. Uh, 49ers won the Super Bowl. Atlanta Braves won the World Series. They were kind of dominating in the early 90s. Houston Rockets won the NBA final. And in semi-sports, we'll call it, entertainment, <laughs> I believe is the... Uh, sports entertainment. <laughs> sports yes. entertainment is the right word. The WCW launched their Monday Night program, which was Monday Nitro, in direct competition with the WWE. Still then, the WWF's Monday Night Raw. Uh, Nitro's first episode aired on Labor Day and hailed from the Mall of America, and this started what pro wrestling fans refer to as the Monday Night Wars, which would continue until the spring of 2001. Mm-hmm. The big moment in, in my uh, teenage years. We, we, this didn't kick you off with wrestling, though, did it? You were you already no, a no, fan? I, I was. I my father watched, so I watched since. I probably started watching uh, like 84, 85-ish. Were you and, a WWF uh, adherent? Of course, though? I was. Yeah. Yes, I was from the. I was from the north. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was a. I was a Yankee. That's uh, that's our. Uh, that's our company. WCW is that southern stuff. I was. <laughs> I was a uh, big uh, McMahon fan at the at the time. You know WWE's headquarters in Connecticut, right? You knew that. Yep, Stamford. Yeah, yep. I, I always passed it on the way up to uh, Massachusetts. The big flag up there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to it, but I, I do know of it. That's the Mecca someday. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Titan <laughs> Towers. <laughs> it's probably going to be the worst. It'll probably be the worst thing ever because you go in there and there'll be nothing resembling wrestling. It'll just be a bunch of assholes. It's an suits. office building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you'll go in there. You'll be like, oh, where do I meet? You know, whatever. For my, no, Where's know. the Undertaker? Yeah, then? Here's the secretary and you can go talk to the uh, janitor. That's it. <laughs> it's about the size of it. Um, now in films, uh, we got the highest grossing of the year in descending order. Uh, Toy Story, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Apollo 13. Another one. I don't I, think I've seen any of them. Uh, Apollo 13, I didn't. Another one I thought came out more recently, but uh, hmm. I, I have seen all those movies and uh, they're all okay. Yeah. Um, it definitely shows you it wasn't a huge movie year. Did no, uh, no. T- no Titanics <laughs> on the list, but it was uh, it was all right. Sure. Uh, best albums based on hit singles in descending order was Radiohead, The Benz, Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory, and the Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. Surprise! Like that was triple free. CD. Yeah, that was no, it was a double CD, but I think it was, it was even expensive. Like, it was expensive as shit. Had a huge booklet. Uh, mm-hmm. My brother liked this one a lot. Um, yeah. And it is pretty. All this, all it's, this music yeah. is somewhat morbid. You know what I mean? That, that, <laughs> it was those, a sign of the times. A lot of shoegazing going on in 1995. <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah, I remember I could never, I, I would uh, go to the Nobody Beats the Wiz on Sunrise Highway, uh-huh. and uh, I could, I, I, we oh, we were always waiting for that Smashing Pumpkins album to drop below like 30 bucks. <laughs> Did it ever and happen? It would, I, no, not after, I guess maybe after I lost interest it might have, but I mean, yeah, because it was a very thick, and it was, you know, double CD and had that book, and very pricey, and music was very pricey back then. Yeah, that that was, you know, what killed the music industry is they refused to come off their freaking $20, $18 CD prices. Yeah. Know? It was like killing yeah. them. That's why people, I think, were like, ah, oh, we're fine. When Snapster showed up, we're fine with stealing this because sure. otherwise because, it's ridiculous. 
we have to steal it. Yeah, now, you, that, uh, you're not going to hear it <laughs> <that> otherwise. Oasis, <laughs> that Oasis uh, album had that uh, one, the wall on it, which uh, I was a, I, I don't know if it'll surprise anybody, but I was a Boy Scout. And uh, we would, uh, we went down to Washington, D.C. on a trip and we stayed in the uh, military barracks in, I want to say, near, near, nearby Arlington. Uh-huh. But uh, that song was on, was on the radio constantly, that wow. one, the wall. So I always, when I think of that, I'm thinking about eating military eggs because, <laughs> oh, it, no. because it was on constantly. Oh, I, I, no. I still like it, but it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it brings me back to a time. See, I, I would have to hear the songs. Like I, I bet I do know a lot of the songs, even Radiohead. This, that, that's got to be the album with Creep on it, right? Or, I'm guessing because uh, I don't because I think Karma Police was on Paranoid Android and I think that came out a little bit later in the decade. Yeah, uh, but like <clears throat> like as albums, I don't know these super well. I just know, <clears throat> but I definitely did hear a lot of the music on them. I'm sure. Again, like I say, Chris, cultural vacuum. Absolutely. I was in my. Uh, <laughs> you were just about the. You were you were in young adulthood. I was still in old childhood. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> a weird cat. Now, uh, we have uh, some gaming news here, because I think a lot of the listeners are attuned to that world. Uh, Sony's PlayStation is released in North America on 9995 and would go on to sell a staggering 102.49 million units. Ooh, yeah, that's a lot of That's a lot of units. Big time. And, and again, <laughs> I didn't have many at my school, but everyone I knew, I was, you know, when I came home for this, for, uh, I guess it would have been Thanksgiving break Thanksgiving? or whatever. Uh, everyone had it. Everyone had it oh, in the yeah. neighborhood. It was it was madness. And the first ones too, there was a way you could like tape down part of it and play Japanese games. Do you remember this? Yeah, you could put you put like a little piece of tape on the disc so it weighs it a certain way or something. Something like that. Or, yeah, there was there was something else in the system. Uh, other generations after this, like the other success, they removed it. They yeah. removed it, but so that people were just going bonkers playing every kind of game. Yeah, you could either play. I think you could even play like burned games back in like uh, bootlegs and, and initially. What's, what's crazy is you look at those games now from PlayStation One and they look horrible. They look like a joke. Oh, they look worse than the original Nintendo because of the uh, the bad polygonal. Yeah, exactly. Vomit. The polygons look horrible. The yeah. mesh is horrible. What's funny is at the time I didn't think it would ever get any better. I was like, this is <laughs> exactly. This is the pinnacle of video games. We've hit the peak, folks. <laughs> We're I, done. How is it going to get better than this anyway? <laughs> um, now we have a uh, Chrono Trigger was released on the Super Nintendo on March 11th. This cartridge was like 80 bucks. Wow. Did All those RPGs, you save of up? course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I did save up, and uh, and now I can now you can get it digitally for like five dollars. Um, <laughs> another big one, Earthbound, was released on the Super Nintendo on June fifth. Came with an oversized box that had a strategy guide in it. Huh. And currently, the game fetches anywhere between five hundred and well over a thousand dollars complete online wow. now. A thousand dollars would be mint, whole, right? That would be everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. I have, I have everything. I have the the box, the oversized box, the cartridge, the uh, what is it? They came with like scratch and sniff stickers that I still have. The, <laughs> it's, I have the whole thing. It's up in my uh, library, but uh, it's yeah, it goes for crazy money, especially for uh, for a game you could get digitally now for you know five or ten bucks, or nothing at all. Well, you or know for free if you, if you do the bottom and emulator, sure. Do the main thing, yeah. You have no problem sure. at all. Uh, yeah, I think you might think it might be time to put that sucker on eBay, Chris. That, that <laughs> sounds like a gimme right there. I think it's going to break ten thousand eventually. That's it. Hang on to it. Hang on. Yeah, to it. That's I'll always... be on my deathbed, but it'll be okay. <laughs> you could sell those with your unread copies of Vigilante Southland. 
Yes. Anyway, that's leaking too much into the regular <laughs> podcast. Uh, just to wrap up, a couple of prices to make people feel bad about the money in their pockets today. The median household income in America was $34,076. A gallon of gas was $1.15. Hmm. A gallon of milk was $2.96. Crazy, right? That is uh-huh. crazy. Like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, that's some crazy inflation. It's like you can get a gallon of milk now for like a buck eighty. <laughs> yeah, it was a bad milk year. But, uh, you know, it reminds me, reminds me of an old Bloom County uh, cartoon from the 80s hmm. where, where, gallon, where gas had also, you know, the price had gone down. And they were like, that's cheaper than milk. That's it. We're putting gas on cereal. <laughs> you know? Right here, you got that kind of situation. It's less than well, half. You could buy a, a, a bottle of water for more than a bottle of gas in, in 95. I know. It's crazy. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, don't worry. They, they adjusted that nowadays. We play, uh, we play yeah, much they... more than that. Forget. What, what is gas out in Arizona now for a gallon of regular? Probably about 230 Wow. All right. Yeah. Right. No, we did hit around $5 back. Uh, I remember when everyone was yeah, getting killed. And everyone was getting kind of killed there. We were, I think we were a little bit on the lower end. But well, yeah, uh, some places I saw California had like six, almost seven dollar gas. Yeah, um, it was pretty crazy. In New York, it was like uh, right around five bucks. But I'd say between yeah. four and five bucks, depending on on the place and whatever. But uh, yeah, it was it was wow, what a world. Luckily, that will never happen again, folks. Also, a first no, class stamp was thirty two cents. Mm, uh, moving on up. Yeah, they uh, coming up. That was still email had yet to break through the the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. And uh, yeah, there was no Amazon Prime yet. <laughs> no, not yet. No Amazon at all yet. As a matter of fact, in two more true. years. Yeah, it's very true. Now into the comics. Let's get into that old comic that's, book. Because that's what we talk about here. We try. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to be talking. Uh, I think mostly Marvel here because yeah. uh, that's where I was back then. Um, and one they, of the they were dominating though. I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, looking at Comicron, and we're going to talk about something that's going to skew some of the numbers later, but sure. it was between Marvel and Image, and, you know, it was, DC was really a distant third at this point. Uh, crazy, right? Yeah, in in time. However, uh, you know, slow and steady wins the race, I think, and, and somewhat in that case, they sort of were sure. able to kind of weather this time a little more gracefully, we'll say, than other companies did, either by closing outright or having to rejigger their uh, finances and sell off movie properties and what have you. But anyway, let's that's for more of an over overview of the '90s. Let's talk about the old X-Men. Yes, uh, the big event of the year, uh, at least for me, was uh, the Age of Apocalypse. This was a four-month period where Marvel stopped publishing the X-Men titles and instead published these. Uh, we didn't know there were miniseries at the time. Uh-huh. Um, it was, you know, Uncanny X-Men became Astonishing X-Men, and it was in this new Age of Apocalypse timeline where, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners know about this. Uh, there's a guy named Professor X who started the X-Men, mm. and uh, his son is uh, the spiky-haired kid named Legion, who I think is getting a TV series. Oh really? Um, FX or FXX or FXXXX or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I did. I heard something about an X Men thing getting moved over yeah. Yeah, to TV. Yeah, and uh, he uh, was uh, going to go back in time to kill Magneto before he could do all of his bad stuff. And uh, Xavier, being the altruistic fellow he is, jumps in front of the you know the attack. And mm-hmm. so back in the past, Professor X dies. So he never started the X Men, and instead Magneto did uh, in his honor, basically. Uh-huh. And during this, somehow Apocalypse rose to power and basically took over the planet. 
So for four months, we were following these stories in this universe. Huh. And, uh, and it was a four crazy months t- too. I mean, that's a that's a yes. long time. That's that's a risky. And you know. it, it's almost genius. Yeah. Because, you know, the previews catalog would tell you about two or three months in advance. So if you're reading Astonishing X Men number one and you look in previews, it's still Astonishing X Men. You know, it's not the it, it's not back to the real world yet. Hmm. So it's like it's like wow, is this just gonna be what X Men is? You know, is is it going to be this world for an extended period of time? This was a time of big continuity shakeups in comics. Absolutely, it's almost like you could have believed something like this would happen. It's also worth saying, though, I think that X Men was not. It's they were far and away the best selling comic at all, definitely for Marvel. So they, I think they could kind of afford to do. There are other lines you couldn't afford to have four months of people questioning what it was. They'd be like. That might dry yeah, up, done. you know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas at this time, Marvel could probably afford to shed a couple of thousand people if they had to every month if, and before they uh, ramp, before got their they come back out. and yeah. buy, the, uh, buy the back issues. Yep. But uh, this is also, if I'm, I don't know if this is, if I'm right here, but this might be the first attempt at a, at a bookend. Um, X-Men, uh, The Age of Apocalypse started with a book called X-Men Alpha. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this was basically the prologue, or just like the first chapter, the opening salvo of the Age of Apocalypse, and it would end in a book called uh, X-Men Omega, which, uh, you know, you didn't get any resolution if you were following these four months. It all st- it all ended with, to be concluded in X-Men Alpha, I'm, I'm sorry, in X-Men Omega. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and so you'd see the final fight, or the what we thought should have been the final fight between, uh, you know, the X Men and Apocalypse, and then that ends, and the X Men returns to normal uh, in X Men Prime, which I guess we're getting another X Men Prime in a few months. Uh, yeah, it worked once, why not? Time. Yeah, why not? Another overpriced uh, crap book, but uh, we have uh, these were overpriced. They had the chromium covers. Uh-huh. They were. Uh, they were based. They were '90s excess to you know what, what you think of when you think of the '90s excess. It's these books. Um, you have uh, the Chrome Zero Hour have bookends too, though. Maybe not. No, no they didn't. No, no, they, they didn't. They had they had tie-in issues, but not. They had yeah. They they were little bits and pieces like in Showcase '94. Yeah. That kind of led into it, but uh, nothing nothing so extravagant as this. No, I remember there was a Batman tie-in, but it wasn't. It, oh, they all had tie-ins. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't necessary, it, it, and none no. of them that I remember were special covers or anything. No, no, and then you had the zero issues. Right. You know? But uh, these were just like big fat uh, chromium slabs. <laughs> and, and, and uh, they did this for maximum clonage. The next they did. year, as we they learned uh, doing the research for Clone Saga. So, yeah, I guess they felt it worked okay for them. I'll do it again. Yep. So why not do it again? I think they did something similar with the Avengers The Crossing. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it just became a thing that they were doing. And I think Onslaught had something, too. But uh, this was, uh, you know, we talked in 1992 that I was not able to be at the store the day the death of Superman came out. So I made an arrangement with my mother to uh, go pick up the book while I was in school. Well, we were hyped to the point where X-Men Omega, X-Men Omega and X-Men Prime were released the same day, and they were both about $5 each. 
so you know that's 10 bucks in x-men one shots in one day wow uh yeah and we were uh, convinced by the guy at the comic store that you know oh you, you gotta be here this is gonna go this is gonna go average you know, comic price was a buck 52 am i right about that is that about is that right uh yeah it was a buck 50 before it and after it it went up to a buck 95 because they they started with that terrible mid-90s glossy paper right right but yeah, buck uh, fifty is where we were at. And they, and they're charging five. You know what I mean? You got What an increase! That's like you yeah, know, almost five hundred percent a freaking increase right there. A three hundred percent increase. That's huge. Because I think Omega was four dollars, and I, I'm sure Prime was five. Um, but yeah, so I, I had my mother go to the store to pick it up, and there wasn't anybody there. <sighs> so the bubble kind of burst. I mean, there was no speculation. There was no. There were no. Nobody was thinking that this was going to put their kid through college or put a down payment on a house. Uh, it's just a real – it's crazy. I was only, you know, three years. Yeah. Not even three years, about two and a half years. It was two point. and a half years, and yeah. it evaporated. I mean, it was – It was done. It was yeah. done. Uh, you know, stores had closed by the hundreds at this point. Oh, easily. Even by now. And, uh, yeah, it, the, the, the worm had turned in a huge way right here. Uh, I, I, I find your story to be the best indicator because literally, like you had this, did the same deal with your mom. It was a closed experiment. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And, but uh, at the same store, I hope, right? Was it or not? Yeah, same store. So yeah, same, same store. store. But uh, yeah, one time she had to like you know wait online. The other time she had to go kill time and drink a cup of coffee before she could even go in the the store exactly. and buy it. Do you still yeah. have that issue that your mom get, or do you have to replace of course. it? Yeah, you still, no, still I, have the original I, yeah. one. Mm-hmm. That's yep, awesome. And that's another one that my it's one of the very few books my mother will ask me about. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's like I don't have the heart to tell her that, you know, just like the death of Superman, this is twenty five cent in fire. <laughs> this is I, I went think, to Chris? a is that gonna be my retirement or what? It uh, might be, right? I don't think so. <laughs> if I buy about ten thousand of them, we <laughs> might be able to get you through a month. Um no, I uh, there's a there's a comic shop out here that has uh, this dude just buys up collections and it, it's great because I've been able to fill in a lot of holes in my own collection. Yeah. But uh, sometimes he'll get he'll he'll find like storage bin storage facilities for like comic shops that closed down. Like we're mm-hmm. talking about how these how all these shops closed, and he'll have short boxes full of X Men Prime. Amazing. I mean, it's a $5 book, and he's got like 200 of them That's in a, a short box. Yeah, because these places, you know, bought things. They over it, yep. Speculation, yeah. Oh, my God. That's a, it's amazing. And, and to put it in further perspective, they weren't doing it to get a lame-ass variant cover. No. They were yeah. doing it because they thought these were going to sell. Yep. And they didn't. No, they didn't. Uh, I mean, that, but, you know, the, I mean, the thing about the variant, at least then you have the variant to offset. Yeah, that'll sit Some on of your purchase. For those, guys, those guys had nothing. They just dumped a bunch of money into it, and then now there you can yep. buy them for nothing at all. It's amazing. That's it. And you know, I said that this is this was getting expensive, and so I, I was uh, I was much more enterprising as a young man than I am in my adulthood. Here, I was always looking for work, um, and I uh, we lived in an apartment complex at the time. Uh, my parents had just split up, so we were kind of like just we were sitting trying to figure out where to go next. Uh-huh. And, uh, I lived in this apartment complex and we would, me and my buddy, we'd go around trying to find money. You know, we, we found our flyer business during the death of Superman and execution, a song that we were able to get through with. And, you know, the flyer industry had kind of gone South, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> just like comics. Oh, that flyer uh, bubble burst. Boy, it was yeah, it did. put a lot I mean, of Xerox got, places out of business. <laughs> I know it got full for a while. And, you know, I saw some of them like, that's not going to fly. You know, Carvel ain't going to, they, they can't live up to TCBY. But uh, 
I had a neighbor who uh, who came and knocked on a door, and she's like, "Hey, you know, I, you know, you're a young, virile, you know, 15 year old. Would you mind helping me move? I'll give you 20 bucks." Sure. sure. Okay. Yeah. So I I go into her apartment. And I get, she was like a former either a dancer or an actress or something. And I, I, you know, I didn't give a shit. It was, you know, it was 20 bucks. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That'll get me through for a while. And uh, cause you know, comics are just a more expensive form of drugs when you're pretty much. Yeah. You, know. <laughs> you, you were like 20 your... bucks. That'll get me, that'll get me four issues of prime. Uh, X-Men yeah, like, prime. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need in on that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was helping her move, and it was it was so terrible because she had this tiny little hatchback. So we were, and she was moving about twenty miles, twenty minutes away. Mm. So I was uh, loading like two or three boxes into the back of this damn hatchback, and then driving twenty minutes, unloading those three boxes, coming back to the place, <laughs> and doing it all over again. So I was probably I probably made like eight cents an hour yeah. at this point. And uh, one day I was I was cleaning out her closet. And a bag with like a dozen hypodermic needles fell out. Oh, hello. And she freaked out. She flipped out and she's like, uh, it was for an acting role. I was playing a nurse. Right. Really? And I'm like, and I'm thinking like, why don't you just say you're diabetic? That you would know, work, you know, that. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, and, and needless to say, that was my last day working for her because she said uh, that she didn't need me anymore. Right. And uh, because you, I did, you knew she was a junkie. She doesn't need yeah. me anymore. <laughs> and because I did such a good job, she gave me $40. So oh, that's, well, that's, that's nice. the moral of the story. It's a uh, find, find drugs. You get money. And or you, find you paraphernalia. That, and you took that money and you bought comics that today are worth, you know, a, a fifth of what you bought. Maybe 40 cents. Yeah. <laughs> and this was right when you walked away from comics. Isn't that right, Chris? Just about. Yeah, I, uh, I, I left for about a year, which is the uh, first and only time I would do such a thing. Uh, when it wasn't. And when it wasn't financially, uh, the reasons weren't financial anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it, this was a. Uh, it was during the summer, if uh, Mike's amazing world of comics is to be uh, is to be believed, which I have no doubt that they should be. It's uh, this was X Men number forty five, and it was an overpriced anniversary book with gimmick cover with a gimmick cover. Forty five. What was the gimmick? Was it? Uh... It was foil, and it was Just a fold-out. Oh, yeah. It was a fold-out and a foil. It was like a cardstock cover with a, you open it up, and like there's like a flap on the front and the back, and there's a foil on the front. Look at that. And it's, it says X-Men. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's this wasn't, what is 45? It's not a, it's not a, you know, no. numeric yeah, anniversary is, of anything. It's not a, a milestone. Yeah, they haven't done it. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a 50 or, it wasn't a, it wasn't a multiple of 25. So, I mean, we even see that, to, like, even today, um, that we're getting that with the uh, Superman and Detective books coming out. Yes, that's right. Because they're going to be a dollar more expensive because it's the, you know, a 25, multiple of 25 issue. Um, and we had just come off uh, a book, Uncanny X-Men number 325, that had a, the same kind of cover. So it's like, okay, 325, sure. I'll, I'll pay an extra couple bucks for it, I guess. This one, this this was the 20th anniversary of Giant Size X Men number one. What? Okay. 
Yeah, big it just, deal. It just, yeah, it showed me that you know Marvel could celebrate the anniversary of any damn thing. Oh sure, and they could do it any time. Also, you know what I mean? It could be it could be the fifteenth anniversary of Len Wein's burp, you know, or whatever it was. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, this is X Men forty five, so I know that in a few months they're gonna they're gonna rake us over the coals for the for you know 15, the double yeah. size number fifty. Yeah. yeah. So it uh, it just showed me that they could do this whenever they wanted, which you know the more things change, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know I had my two dollars to buy the book, and it was four dollars, and I put it back. And wow. It was like you know I I was just done, and it was like a such a clean break. I put it back on the shelf, and I was like, ah, I'm done. I, I, no find, I find this interesting because you know you're not a you're not a forty year old jaded comic. You know, guy that's fifteen. It's not a guy that's been <laughs> buying comics for decades and is like, like you're already jaded. You're fifteen years old and you already can see through the gimmick. Uh, yeah. It just, it just goes to show that even the most rabid consumer base, and I wouldn't consider you the most rabid zombie no, consumer. No, not at the time. Even ever, I mean, you, you have your comics you collect, but you're not collecting everything. For example, no, you're not no. just like blindly. You know, you, you everyone has a breaking point, though, is what I'm saying. You know, you think yeah. you can push the gimmicks, you think you can push the sales numbers, edge them a little higher with your with your little tricks. Eventually, it wears out, and it wore out for you right here. You know, you were just like, screw yeah. it. Yeah, um, and I my friend bought it, and uh, you know, it was the the worst thing is it was a great issue. Oh really? It was a it was a, it was a great it was a, a gambit and saber issue that like kind of explored their past. Uh, I think it was Fabian Nicieso who wrote it, but I mean it was a great issue. And uh, you know I, I've since of course gotten it. I assume you have it now. I assume you bought it <laughs> yes. for a buck or less or something at some point. Probably uh, yeah, I think a couple dollars. But yeah. uh, and it's funny because like a few months later I was in a CVS and they had the newsstand version of this book. Which is, you know, no foil, right. and it was only like a dollar overpriced instead of the two or three dollars it was, you know, overpriced originally. And uh, I still left it. Wow. You know, it's like I was just done. It was just. What what brought you back? Do you remember what brought you back in? Uh, moving across the country and having nothing else to do. You were like, oh, I guess I'll go back. Was that would you, was that roughly when you started to test the waters with DC or? No, I was just done with comics. No, I mean when when you came oh, back. Oh, to yeah. A year later. Yeah, yeah. I had I had more money than I than than any you know seventeen year old should have. Yeah. So, <laughs> and when you know when a comic fan has money, they don't have it for long, especially yeah. when they're, when there they're are, young. There are plenty of publishers out there to spread that money around if you want to. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering. I, I I wonder if this was the watershed moment. That's it. In a way, walking away though, then <laughs> sort of broadened. I think your idea of, of comic, you know what I mean? Like sure. uh, you were like, you were like, all right, well, X-Men is letting me down. Uh, yeah. What, the, what else is out there? I know later on you went on to read manga and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you, you have a really broad base of comics. I think a lot of people oh, yeah, don't European necessarily know stuff, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think that in a way this clean break gave you the freedom to sort it of ex- explore other sides of comic art and that's uh that that was a good thing then and plus not getting ripped off was also a good thing so that was good <laughs> good move on, on all accounts so my friend he still collected it probably until 50 and because uh, i mean at this point I, I was collecting like the big four x-men books yeah. and then when the price increase went up you know it's like we get these price increases now that uh it's it's like laughable how 
large they are in comparison to then and how much of a difference they made back then, but they don't seem to now. Yeah. Because we, we all get yelled at for being entitled now. Back then we didn't. Yeah. Where, you know, X Men went from a dollar fifty to a dollar ninety five because of the that terrible glossy paper. And people left and they weren't, you know, they weren't called entitled crybabies at that point. It was like, okay, you had to make a decision. Where yeah. now, you know, Marvel's gonna do a nine dollar a ten dollar issue every other month. And if you don't like it, you're an entitled spoiled jerk, you know, but back then it was, it was different. We had smaller increments and people broke off because that was their breaking point. And less of an and, opportunity uh, for people to call other people names. That was <laughs> Yeah. We didn't have the forums we do, we do now. I'm sure if we did, it would be a lot different. You know, also there was no place for someone to announce that they were not going to be buying comics as much. You know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> see, I see that all the time on Twitter, but the announcement that they're dropping a book, I'm like, well, thank you. I'll, I'll put that on my list of <laughs> what everyone is buying because I really yes. give a shit. You know, they, 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 they send the picture of their, of their, weekly pull and i go through it with a fine tooth comb it's like hey i i don't see fantastic four what happened there <laughs> gotta contact them are you all right with that you know you, anything we could do to make your comic buying purchasing experience better you know yes, I, i'd like uh, to validate come on it's it's that is, yeah, it is really interesting and it's funny because as as you know we are going to talk about a little bit marvel is in trouble here they're right around now they're they're about to experience yeah. some serious trouble and they're yeah, sort the of corporate raiders are already in there they're blowing up the price of their stock yep. and they're getting ready to cash out and they're uh you know they're almost heaping more uh dirt on the grave and speaking of yeah. graves chris wasn't that a great segue? Oh, uh yes that was an awesome segue. in this year aunt may died this is something we're going to be talking about a little more in detail i think on cosmic treadmill yeah. or at least you know getting into the overall story behind it but this happened in amazing spider-man number 400 this yeah. had a Horrible embossed cover. I haven't seen the embossed version, but I've seen the flat version, and it, it is horrible. It's supposed to look like a tombstone, but it looks like yeah. a big gray blob, and it just dominates the whole cover. The composition is just ugly as hell. I mean, this is a monument. This is, you know, if if X Men forty five isn't a milestone, ASM four hundred is. You know, like that's yeah. uh, that I can understand. That's a big deal. Uh, and it just looks looks like crap. Um, yeah, apparently, it was the first gimmick cover that the Spider Office did, uh, to the besides the 30th anniversary ones, which were also terrible. Was that those uh, were the holograms, right? Those came those are the holograms in oh, the webs. Oh yeah. god, those were so bad. <laughs> but I, I guess like under like the new editorial regime, this was the or either that or this was their first embossed cover. Yeah. And it was just a it was a disaster. I mean, if you were to see this on the shelf, you wouldn't have any idea what it was. Yeah, it is just it's horrible. A big black. Um, but the story is is great, and this one I, yeah. I did read as part of our research for the uh, for the Clone Saga. It's quite quite moving. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 sad. It's uh, you see a lot of it actually is. Peter. Yeah. This absolutely. is also the one where I think Peter first bumps into Ben, sort of, right? Or is that? Like an issue or two before, something like that. I think it's like uh, I, it's right in the neighborhood. I I couldn't. I've read so much Clone Saga stuff that I think I'm putting them. I, I don't know oh, what yeah. order I'm putting them in lately. Uh, let me tell you, after this week, my mind is is swimming with that stuff. And oh, I think it was actually yeah. I think it was actually even like one or two issues before. It's Peter was visiting right. uh, in the May, hospital, and he sees Spider Man swing by, and then he meets him up on the roof, and that's that's their first actual meeting. But it wasn't. I don't You're think right. it was this issue. Yep. But Ben Riley was in town because Anne May was dying, so it's all sort of ties together. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a good story as an issue by itself. 
Yeah. It's a good story. I wouldn't kill myself reading all the issues leading up to or following <laughs> it necessarily, but this this one was pretty good. Uh, script was by J.M. DeMatteis, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone should know by now. Don't worry. She got better. She's fine. In she, fact, she's still kicking around today somehow, so there you go. She is. She's Marvel's <laughs> only 150-year-old woman, I think. Is what... <laughs> and then, now, uh, in the, in the, the industry was changing. Big deal. Big yeah, deal like, here. Not just because I left either. Uh, this is <laughs> which I'm sure Marvel felt. Oh their, yeah, they uh, were like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he was buying four books a month. Damn it. Our Long Island uh, sales have tanked. What happened? What's going on here? Yes. But uh, this is when Diamond really uh, they they got their exclusive distribution here. Yeah. Uh, um, just 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 briefly, you know, Diamond was the biggest player at yeah. the time. It wasn't like they were pikers, but there were at least. Five or two six others. other. Yeah. Well, there are two other, two other big wide. Yeah. And then there were local ones. Yeah. Uh, there were local distributors. So it was spread around a lot better. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, as it is now, Diamond has an absolute monopoly. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the industry apparently isn't big enough for the antitrust uh, legislation to notice. And, you know, that's <laughs> that is what it is. But they there's no other game. You know what I mean? Like you, you yep. either go through Diamond or, you know, Chris and I pack it up in a box and drive it down to the we local comic out. shop. That's <laughs> pretty much your two options. So uh, but, you know, they 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 were the biggest. But, yeah, after right after this, they they become the only. But because of this amazing Marvel going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Go right ahead. Tell us oh, all about it. Yes, uh, Marvel. They had bought a. Uh, it's funny. Back in the seventies, I guess they they already owned this company and then they sold it. And then uh, they bought this company back in the mid nineties when they were buying everything because uh, they were. It's you know there's there's all these reports of uh, you know they were. Uh, it seems like it was taken over by corporate raiders. They wanted to inc- inflate the value of the company and then cash out. Yeah. So they started buying up like different trading card companies and uh, and as we're going to talk about now a distribution uh, outlet which is Heroes World which is and I recall be... dealt mainly in cards right that was their main I... thing or something like well, that Well no no it was originally comics because it was Superheroes World but then okay. uh the when Mego or Mego sold the copyright for the word superhero to DC and Marvel they had to change the name Okay and uh yeah so they they were they bought Heroes World and they were going to make that their exclusive distributor. Yeah. Uh and they did that in July of this year 1995 and uh which did a couple things. It uh took it it is a you know it could be looked at as a good thing for the other companies because it pulled Marvel out of the top 100. Mm-hmm. But by the same token it also pulled them out of the distribution network which was over a third of the profits of the distribu- distributing companies was Marvel. So <laughs> the, these other distributors were bleeding because oh, yeah. uh, they, they didn't have any kind of margin because it was just, you know, they were hopeful that, you know, spawn number whatever was going to come out that month because that was, that was the money. And that's still the situation that we're in now, you know, yeah. is, that oh, yeah. is that it's, they're basically gambling every week that, this is going to happen, you know what I mean? And that, you know, Marvel and DC will, will move the sufficient units to keep the uh, roof over, you know, Diamond's heads or their various yep. warehouses and keep the gas in the trucks. And, uh, you know, it's it's people people talk about sometimes, you know, 
Marvel's going to shut down or DC, these two, either one of the two big ones are going to stop making comics. If that happens, the comics industry as we know it is it's concluded. Done. It's there's nothing yeah. more. You know what I mean? It, you know, as great as the image or boom or whatever independent books, they do not, they cannot support the network of the infrastructure stores. Yeah. yeah, that we have now. I don't know whether it would could all go online or all digital. I don't know what would really shake out of it. But either yeah, one of those collected editions, yeah, something. You know, I mean, I don't think comic comic art will persevere in some fashion but as far as you know the wednesday warriors go that would that would conclude pretty much overnight yeah. if either one of those companies pulled out of making comics absolutely and uh the first week that they did this they missed so many books wow. books and uh so they they missed shipping and they also missed billing and so uh you know all the comic stores were calling in to uh, Heroes World to find out where their books were because, like we said, Marvel was the game in town at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and it largely still is, but you know, at this point, that's who they were hedging all their bets on yeah. because they were just they had stayed a stranglehold on the top 50. You know, it was all it was all Marvel with a spattering of image, and uh, they received so many calls that it actually overheated the in-house technology. That's so, amazing. Like, all the computers, the phone lines, they. They were getting all these calls and they shut down. Yeah, because I, I mean, my understanding out. was Heroes World was like a, a kind of a semi-small operation in New Jersey. It was. Now, yeah. now it's handling a national distribution of Marvel comics, which is biggest, millions, yeah. hundreds of millions of comics per um, week or uh, per month at least, month, if not yeah. week, depending on what the hell they're, they're which selling. Ones, yeah. Maybe by this year, I don't think they were maybe pushing that many, but they weren't ready. They, you know, they the company couldn't handle the uh, no. increase. And it it fell apart quickly. It, you know, the idea behind that controlling your own distribution, there is some soundness to it. It reminds me of Charlton. Remember yeah. we talked about Charlton, and and they they handled their own distribution. But if you recall, and production, they were soup the nuts. They did everything. Yeah, and and yeah. there's some wisdom to that. It just makes, as we learned, it made them less flexible as the industry changed. But initially, it was a great idea. They and they were able to weather that that mid 50s storm after the code i think partly because of that you know because they weren't overextending themselves but if you recall they only they only did distribution totally themselves up to the mississippi remember yeah and then Mm -hmm. down south a little bit and then they handed it over to ancillary distributors that's how business works folks we can't all Mm -hmm. put all our eggs in one basket you gotta (laughs) you gotta spread around the wealth and the misery or else yes you know if something like this happens where Marvel, you know, divests from distribution at the same time that it's a, about to declare bankruptcy, that could kill the entire industry, like, it, instantly. And the fact that it mm-hmm. didn't is its own amazing story for another day, but... Uh, <laughs> but yeah. this is, uh, with, with this going on, Diamond reacted by trying to shore up exclusive distribution rights with the other big publishers. Yeah. So, you know, DC pulled out of capital and uh, Image pulled out of capital. They were they were solely distributed by Diamond yeah. because Diamond had to they had to think about their own fortunes and whether or not they're going to be able to stay in business losing over a third of their distribution, which is which and, is where uh, it is now. And the other di- yeah. distributors, and not just because of this, but because there was a downturn in general in the industry, sure. they all sort of dried up too. So it all it all kind of happened at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and then uh, Marvel came back, and Diamond was there waiting with arms wide open. Yep. And here we are now with Diamond. And they never miss their uh, their deliveries, right? They're always doing everything perfectly. No one ever complains about a uh, misshipment or anything. They have a 105% approval rate. Very good. Very, 
perfect, <laughs> perfect work. No, I mean, for, uh, you know, not for nothing, but for what they do, which is to, you know, get every comic to every store and every, and I, I think DCBS and, and they, those guys, they work through Diamond also, I believe. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those all count on their figures and stuff. Uh, it's a big job, you know what I mean? It is. It's a lot to coordinate, and they do fairly well. When we, when you look at Heroes World, and you look at Diamond, <laughs> you realize yeah, that some people are, are a little more cut out for this kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it, one's a kid wearing his dad's, you know, suit. <laughs> yeah. this, this whole thing, this whole period is so fascinating. And and Chris and I have talked about doing a Marvel series on comics history but for anybody uh that wants to get a you know head start on that you got to check out uh, marvel comics the untold story by sean howe yes and he goes into good detail about this and really uh explains exactly what chris is saying that it was essentially a move by perlmutter basically yep to you know increase the visibility i guess or like the potential for the value, shareholders yeah, the yeah. Stock value, yeah and uh it did not work out well. It must have been crazy. And so you were buying comics when this happened. Is, is, or was this after you'd walked this away? Was, this was just as I was uh, pulling out. I, I finished in August. This started in July. So wow. I, there's only a month overlap. Do you think that had, do you think that also helped? Like you, So you went to the store and and some of the comics you wanted weren't there, basically. In well, I was August. buying so few that, uh-huh. uh, that I don't think I noticed. I mean, I uh, I would I was only an X Men guy, and I you know I dabble on occasion with the Spider Man books because you know the Clone Saga for all the for all the crap we're gonna give it. Yeah. It was an exciting time to be you know in oh, comics, yeah. um, and you know I even I'd pick up an occasional Superman to see how uh, how the the rebirth was coming along, and you know it didn't hold my interest because I wasn't following every single book. Yeah. But uh, you know I was still dabbling up until up until X Men forty five when. That was just, that was my Rubicon. I was gone. But basically, if you went to the store and Spider-Man wasn't there, you wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't notice. have noticed. Yeah, so. yeah, because we didn't have, you know, there was no comiclist.com. It was, you right. know, yeah, so yeah. I didn't know what was coming out. I, and and back, we had then, back then, uh, I remember store owners, at least my store owner, I went to a place, uh, I think by now, by 95, I believe it was closed. But in the earlier, late 80s, early mm. 90s, it was Mike's Comic Hut on Northern Boulevard. And, uh, okay. 162nd Street, I want to say, in Flushing, maybe one, maybe 161st. But uh, you know, decent guy, but he was real tight-lipped about comics, you know. And like <laughs> knowing what I know now, that he got previews, he got solicits, he got everything we get now yeah. uh, online, and so he knew exactly what was coming up. But he would make it sound like you know he played the game like I don't know what's gonna happen to Superman. You gotta you come know? in. You gotta. Yeah, you come gotta in. have to get the comic. Who knows what's gonna happen? You know. Uh, so these, I know these guys could be a little, you know, withholding about the information. You know, they didn't yeah. want to necessarily blow the blow it. So, uh, yeah, it's a, that that's so what a crazy thing. But this really, <laughs> but I mean, Chris, Chris and I, we've talked about doing Marvel, and we are still nursing along this really direct difficult market. thing about the direct market. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I almost want to bring in an economist to really lay down some uh, some of the information, but yeah. Fascinating stuff, and you know the business side of comics is uh, almost as interesting as the anecdotal creative side. I think you know it's almost as unbelievable too. Sometimes definitely sometimes you're like, <laughs> wow, well, the things these guys did to uh, get over just like it's it's like Chris and I have talked about many times that uh, you know the comics have been on the ropes pretty much their entire history, yep. and there were several times they almost ended, and it was only the iron wills of a handful of people that just 
insisted that comics must must maintain and they made it happen you know mm-hmm. um and then the last thing we're going to talk about is yep. the dc verse marvel mega miniseries that started in well the cover date was december right I, I think it might have shipped December. Oh, really? So, so it was the last thing of the year. Uh, yeah, it was very end of the year. Something I never read. What, what, what happened here, Chris? What is this about? It was, uh, it was about the heroes of Marvel fighting the heroes of DC. Oh, all right, all right. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at least the title wasn't misleading about. <laughs> yes, it was. It was very. Uh, it was honest. It was a. Uh, there was truth in advertising there. Yeah. Um, the event itself is, you know, it's it is what it is really. Um, I didn't like it. I've read it. I've reread it actually in uh, the recent years, and it's still. I think it's still not very good. Was it six um, issues? I think it was four. All right. I could be mistaken. But the the thing that I take away from that was uh, that in the months leading up to it, they advertised uh, battles that you could vote on. Uh, We, the readers, you know, I mean, they knew that, say, you know, Superboy was going to beat up Spider-Man or whoever they had paired off. But there were a few that we could actually vote on. And I think like the ones we could vote on was like Captain America versus Batman um, Wonder it would, Woman it would affect the Storm. outcome, or yeah, wow, yeah, it would be the outcome. But the one, <laughs> the one that I remember, either the most fondly or the most comically, was Wolverine versus Lobo. Wow, because <laughs> come because, on, <laughs> because I, it's a it's a it's a quote or a uh, an anecdotal quote anyway or. A, what is it? Where I, I I don't know the whole quote, but I was in the comic store and the guy a guy was standing going, you know, in real life, Lobo would kill Wolverine. <laughs> I love I love comments like that. <laughs> oh, in real life, let me tell you, <laughs> if in real life a indestructible Zarnian came down to the planet yes. on his space motorcycle. We would we all can be reproduce from a, from a drop of blood. Yeah, I would fucking find the the deepest hole and bury myself in it and not worry about anything else. That's hilarious. I, I, I love when people. That was like uh, I told you about this a long time ago. This is on the internet, mm-hmm. but uh, we were talking about um, that scene in what is that? Uh, you'll probably remember. I think it's Identity Crisis, where uh, mm-hmm. or Infinite Crisis, where where Batman slugs Hal Jordan because he hasn't. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember I this at so. all? I think so. Uh, yeah, this is how Jordan has just come back from being Parallax, and, you know, he's still, people are still feeling crappy about him being, you know, having murdered the entire Green Lantern Corps and being a bad guy, yeah. but he's, you know, he's rehabilitated himself. And I remember over several issues, little by little, the, the Justice League is accepting him again. Yeah, uh, but, Bat- Batman. but Batman refuses. <laughs> yeah, Batman the whole time is like, no, you know, that's what he did was wrong. I'm not accepting him. And uh, I can't remember exactly what ha- I wish I could remember the issue because now I feel like a moron. But anyway, <laughs> they're together and Hal Jordan is mouthing off like he always does. He's acting like, you know, a, uh, a cool guy and, and Batman slugs him. And uh, I was talking about that moment on online and somebody was like, yeah, I thought that was that was blowny that I didn't that didn't ring true. And I was like, well, not for nothing. They had been building up to this kind of conflict sure. over several issues. And, you know, it wasn't like, you know, that was the first meeting Batman punched him. And his answer was, well, if my best friend had been taken over by the the entity of fear <laughs> and murdered the Green Lantern Corps, I wouldn't punch him. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you're a better man than Batman. 
because if that happened to my best friend, I would be fucking horrified for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, I think I'd have to cancel the friendship. Like, what the hell? <laughs> the entity of fear. Please tell me. We need to know more about that. Anyway, uh, yes. I love these. I love these these voting arguments. I, you see them all the time online. Like, could, oh yeah, could Thor beat up Superman? Could and it's like, folks, the fix is in. You know, don't. <laughs> you know, it's 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 depending what company they're writing for and who's writing it. That's who decides. It's all uh, going to be a work. It's not going to be a shoot fight. I also think that uh, matching Wolverine and Lobo is so. That seems like something so lazy. Because it's so very 1990s, yes. There's, well, I mean, it, I, you know, that's true, actually, because look, because Wolverine was sort of the berserker, you know, mm-hmm. cigar chomper of the 90s. But first of all, Wolverine would have been far and away the more popular character. I mean, oh yeah, by a massive margin. And second of all, they don't they don't really play the same function. You know, Lobo is sort of a parody and a you know yeah. satire, and Wolverine is an actual character with a pedigree and you know mm-hmm. history. So. Uh, that's funny as hell, man. Did you yeah. did you do any voting yourself? I don't remember. I don't remember if I did. I you know I actually think I still have the ballots in my wow. garage. I should probably try to dig those if out. You, if you can dig that up, and uh, I'll just mention it here. If you don't see it, he yeah. couldn't dig it up, but we'll we'll yep. uh, we'll attach something. We'll post them if we find them. Yeah. Yeah, that really sounds exciting. You know, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I I kind of and and JLA Avengers happened in '97, right? No, that happened. uh, That happened like 2001. Oh, really? Yeah. My time. Yeah, that was uh, Busick and Perez. Yeah. Yeah, that one I've 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 read because that one is a uh, considered more monumental. This thing I never heard of. Yes. uh, Yeah, this was it was a pretty big deal when it was coming out. Um, It kind of led to you know a a nice uh, alliance between Marvel and DC where they started that um, uh, the amalgam universes and and then eventually Stan Lee reimagined the DC universe, which is sort of. uh, not well, that was Marvel that was thing. its own thing. Yeah, that was a uh, that was that was kind of like a middle finger to Marvel, I think, at, at the core of it. By Stan Lee, uh, that's right. But I don't know. It, yeah. it just showed that there was more collusion around the industry, yeah. you know, to my mind. But uh, and and we also got that awesome character that is co-owned by Marvel and DC out of it, a fellow by the name of Axis. That's right. You did so, a uh, uh, review on. Uh, <laughs> I right? did a couple on that. Yeah. On Chris uh, uh, from Earth.blogspot.com. I'm gonna plug that I real did. quick. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's pretty much where I, where I heard about that though. Uh, this yep. whole thing was was this your reviews on those books and seems a little silly. I wonder they got to bring somebody's got to bring back access. I bet they can't. Because he's cold. I bet you they can't. Yeah, because it's like Warner Brothers and Disney owns him. So it's yeah. like, ooh. <laughs> I made a joke. It's like, I wonder if they're fighting over him or fighting for which one gets stuck with him. That's exactly. <laughs> no, you made him. No, you created him. You get all the rights. That's hilarious. I think Peter David invented him. Who, who's he writing for now? He gets him. Oh, boy. Well, you yes. know, I got to say, you will never see a DC Marvel crossover in anytime soon. So. I've got some fan fiction in the works. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a different side of Wolverine and Lobo. I think so. I think yeah I think you got a, a one you call him Brokeback Krypton, right? No, that we. That's. Should... <laughs> I yeah, can't Wolverine. You. Wolver- he he can't snick to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will look out for that. But next yes. week we do have a young animal book, Cave Carson Cave number Carson, five, yes. I believe. Uh, four or five, yeah, four or five, and uh, we've been enjoying that. And I haven't, I haven't tucked into it yet, but I will be tucking into it soon enough. And then after that, we should get Doom Patrol number four. I'm crossing my fingers. fingers. I haven't heard anything else that it hasn't. It's not coming as of this point, but 
Yeah, we're hoping to see that book <laughs> real, real badly because I really, you know, I really left us on a cliffhanger with that great issue number three. So, but uh, we will have more young animal content as it is yes. available. And uh, other than that, I think that's all we got for him this week. We talked all about 95, and I think that's it. You got <laughs> anything else for him, Chris? No, I think that'll do us. Well, until next week, I'd like everyone to keep it young and animalistic. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta lope. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of cheater little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. Oh,